At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. You found VEASAN's premier baseball betting show. This is The Run Line. Welcome back in here for the second hour of The Run Line. I'm your host tonight, Adam Burke, joined on the desk by former Major League pitcher Josh Towers as we look on a 6-3 game here. Sunday Night Baseball with the Yankees and the Red Sox. Uh, Live number, Yankees, a $12 favorite, minus 1,200, actually minus 1,100 now uh, with that last play in that game. Total still 14 and a half in the 6-3 game. So we talked about Matt Carpenter mm-hmm. and the success he's having this year. And he's probably hitting over, uh, where is he at now? He, uh, so he just bunted, right? There's one out. There's a run on first. And all of a sudden, Carpenter lays down a bunt. Now there's first and second one out. The Matt Carpenter, the unsuccessful Matt Carpenter in St. Louis with the ship said, I'm not bunting. I'm never going to bunt. He did once when he was struggling. He started hitting 100 and he bunted. I think he had a double, to be honest with you. It, why bunt and go a single when I can hit doubles and home runs? And then all of a sudden he's hitting like 100, and that's when his career kind of went downhill. He was anti-bunting. He's too good for it. Now he's on the Yankees on a winning team again. He's having fun, and now he's willing to bunt on his own in a, in a one-out game in the fifth inning? There's the difference, right? Like, like, and and how, do we, how do we handicap Matt Carpenter's mentality? I mean, sometimes watching quotes and listening to what they say tells us a lot about a person, but there's the difference. Again, we, we saw Matt Carpenter, anti, wouldn't do it, wouldn't help the Cardinals, wouldn't, even if it benefited him, wouldn't do it, but now he's willing to do it with New York. Come on, man. Well, I personally, as a data guy, would say I would never bunt at Fenway Park just because <laughs> it's such a great place for offense. <laughs> but uh, you know, to your point, I mean, look, you, know, you, you kind of look for these little cues and these little things that you can find in these games, and it seems like you found one there uh, with Matt Carpenter and the Yankees. But... I want to continue that discussion that we had uh, in the previous segment there, talking about you know starting pitchers and, and kind of the expectations of them, what we should be looking for in terms of you know pitch counts, going through the order a third time, yeah. all of that. So the second half, I think, is really where we're going to find out a lot about some of these young arms, particularly a guy like Shane McClanahan, who last year topped out at 123 in a third innings. He's yeah. already thrown 104 in a third this year. And we've already kind of discussed guys really aren't built to throw 200 inning seasons anymore. Usually you're kind of looking at 150, 160, and you're hoping that that's enough. So as a pitcher, right, we know pitchers are are never really feeling all that great. They're never 100% healthy. The strain put on the arm from doing the job is just very, very high. What do you think about these guys going into the second half that are going to be reaching, you know, new career highs, having new expectations, and being expected to perform, you know, as well as they did earlier on in the season? Uh, Let me jump real quick. Uh... We all have like aches and pains 
right? But we also get really good when we're on rotation every five days of putting our body in a position to feel feel really good on the day we pitch. Now, I may not have my best stuff. Is is more of like there's going to be a pitch or two missing. Very rarely do you ever take them out. Let's say I have four or five pitches and they're all there. It's almost, it's very rare, right? Which is why we learn. And, and you don't. We're not trying to throw every pitch. There's a rhyme and reason why we throw each pitch. And this situation may call for it, may not call for it, but I have it in case it does. But sometimes it's not there. And so, again, you learn how to pitch. As far as, like, battling, like, my, my arm hurts or something like that, like, that's not really the case. Yes, we do battle that, but consistently we probably, body-wise, we, we feel good. Um, the, this, is the, this is the tough thing in our era, right? The, the more we throw, the better we feel. If you would let us throw 300 innings, more guys would feel better and be a lot more successful. But we live in an era we pay them so much money that we don't want them to get hurt. And in, in, in any walk of life, I don't care who it is or what you do, if you, if you are going through your day and trying to prevent yourself from getting injured, it, you're not going to be very successful at whatever it is. You're, you're going to cause more injuries. Like You've got to just go ahead and listen. We train very specifically for a very long time year-round to, to try not to get hurt, to have our best stuff. And then you're, you're kind of like asking me not to do that as I'm playing because you don't want me to get hurt. And you're putting me in a position where I'm not just reacting and letting my, my skill set and my strength take on. So if, if they would let guys pitch more, we, we would see less injuries. And I think we would see a lot better pitching, right? It, it's, so it's like, it's like counterintuitive, but I'm paying you $30, $40 million a year. I, I'm nervous. And one little, little hiccup, it's, it's tough. And so... The innings thing gets tough because you're talking about McClanahan. I think 130 was his, his career high maybe. Uh, he's close to it. And so what, do they let Shane go, go 200 out of nowhere? And what does 70 extra innings on a guy at a major league level do if he's never thrown 70 extra innings before? We don't know. Because there's no – like we all say, well, I only wanted to add 25 or 30. But there's no true data that says – He's going to get hurt or he's not going to get hurt. He's going to get worse or he's not going to get worse, right? You have to learn how to get through a season at the major league level. And in the minor leagues, we play five months. In the big leagues, we play six months. And it's a lot more meaningful baseball to an extent. I have to learn how to, to back off my workouts, when to add to my workouts, when to back off my running, when to add to my running, when to take days off, when to I'm going to push it today. Like I have to learn all this, and that takes a lot of time. And that's where the true – Shane McClanahan probably could go 200 innings this year and not have a problem, but do they know how to, and does he know his body well enough to do that? Because it's not necessarily the inning adding out of nowhere, right? And, and, and so, again, we've seen it with Strasburg in the past. When he first came up, they, they would let, they, they cut him back on his innings by the time they got to the postseason, so I don't think Steven pitched in the postseason. But yet they were letting him throw 100 pitches in five innings, which is the worst thing you can do for your arm because it's just too massive amount of pitches in such a short amount of time, right? It's bad. If you ever see, by the way, a pitcher getting into the 90s of pitches in the fifth inning, he's going to give up a run of that fifth inning every single time. It's just too much. There goes our third time to the lineup thing where it gets inflated, right? Mm-hmm. Those are all things that we have to look at as well as an organization. So, again, McClanahan, it, his, he's had very, very few stressful games, if any, but he's had very few stressful innings, if any. So his, his increase in innings and pitch count I don't think, personally, just by looking at it blankly, I don't, it's not that big of a deal because he's not having stressful innings. He's having very relaxed, very dominant innings, which is a massive difference as well. Well, I think something that I always look at, I, you know, I look at data like spin rate. I look at velocity. Mm-hmm. I look for things that kind of showcase that maybe a pitcher is getting tired, that there's an underlying injury, that there's, you know, that there's some sort of mechanical issue, something like yes. that. You think about it today, Michael Kopech, for example, 
72 and two-thirds innings going into today's start, only threw 69 and a third in 2021, didn't really do anything in 2019 or 2020 because he was hurt. Today, his fastball velocity was down about three miles per hour early in his start. He was also starting a, relieving too, right? Not this year. But not yeah, this year, but in the yeah. past, yeah. But, but that was a glaring red flag for me, at least in terms of looking at him for his next start. But as we look at that right. Cy Young board, I think it's really That's important fair. to talk about this here. McClanahan is the favorite, plus 250. Justin Verlander, plus 275. Alec Manoa, who, unless he gets shelled in his upcoming start this week, he will set a career high in innings. He's thrown 107 and two-thirds. He threw 111 and two-thirds last year, so he'll set a career high at the MLB level. Garrett yeah. Cole, 8-1. to one. Shohei Otani, who's topped out at 130 in a third innings. He's 12-1 to one to win the Cy Young, but he's starting to approach that point where maybe the Angels kind of err on the side of caution. I think it's something that we have to talk about here with this Cy Young race because we don't know what the Rays' plan is with Shane McClanahan, and if their offense continues to struggle with Wander Franco hurt, maybe they kind of fall out of that wild card race a little bit and they scale him back. Do the Blue Jays do that with Alec Manoa and maybe go six-man rotation, protect him a little bit? But we do know that Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole have had 200-inning seasons in the past. All right, if if I mix the team, you remind me of that team. Unless Tampa, if Tampa Bay's still in the race, and unless Tampa Bay goes and gets another starter, or uh, Glasnow can come back and actually be productive and give innings, if if they don't get another starter, if Tyler doesn't come back, and they're still in this to make the postseason, we're not going to see Shane McClanahan get backed off that much because they have no other option. No other option. All right, go to Alec Manoa. The Blue Jays are built to win right now. They're, they're, they're a couple years down the road. was a couple years ago. They're built to win right now. Yusei Kikuchi not getting it done. Berrios not getting it done. All right? They don't have a choice with Alec Manoa. They have no choice with him. He, they have to ride him at this point. Because if they shut him down, what are they, they're dead. Mm-hmm. Right? So they're going to be forced to ride Manoa a little bit longer than maybe they initially wanted. Because they're in a position where they have to make the postseason this year. Who was the other team? Oh, Angels. Otani. The Angels are the worst team in baseball since May 15th. They're 11 and 32. You already talked about two wins since last month. They're awful at baseball. They have no idea what baseball is. They have no idea that pitching and defense wins. They think they can invest in all this money. And all the money they have wrapped up in their hitters, only two of them are in the lineup. And one of them is their best pitcher. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They have no clue. So, again, I have Shohei under contract for next year. And at some point I'm going to have to really pay him or he's he's been around the league twice. Three times he knows where he wants to play next, right? And it's going to cost a lot of money. Um, you, you, got, you got Rendon, you got Trout, you got all these guys making a ton of money. Can they truly afford to keep him? But that said, they still feel like, I don't know how they feel like this, but they still feel like they should be winning and making the postseason. So they're going to think that next year they're going to be in the postseason again, right? They continue to be this god-awful. There's no way Otani is going to pitch a lot of innings this year. He'll hit, he'll DH, but they're going to back him off at some point. So then I'm looking at the Cy Young race, and I'm going, Shohei is on pace to, like, yeah, he can do this because how dominant he's been. But then I'm like, they're the Angels, and they're going to be in last place, and there's no way they're going to run him and risk injury again with him. Right, so then i got to look at all these things um, when it factors into, and I've always thought the Rays were going to back Shane off, but at this point, like, they can't afford to because no one else is doing a job for them. And they're still in, in contention, right? The one thing I will say about the Rays, they've only had eight guys throw at least 130 innings as a starter dating back to 2016. <laughs> sad. Chris Archer so did sad. it twice. He's been hurt a ton. <laughs> Ryan Yarbrough did it last year, and he's been banged up this year and also been yeah, pretty ineffective. Absolutely Charlie right. Morton was one, but you know, obviously he's a veteran guy. 
Blake Snell was and they another let one. Charlie pitch. Had the elbow injury the next year, and then they traded him. That's what concerns me about the Rays is that if they look back at their history of kind of stretching guys out a little bit, none of those guys have really handled it well in future seasons. Maybe McClanahan's not a guy that they want to play around with this season. Yeah, again, they clearly know how to um, – I don't even know how to say it. Give me everybody that throws 97 and harder and I'm going to run through a lot of them will be successful. They've never really handled a starting staff very well at all. And it, Dude, which is mind-blowing to me because I'm telling you, Kevin Cash behind the dish as a catcher for me for many years was arguably the best I've ever thrown to. He's on that top three list, and he knew how to get us deep in games. He was genius. Well – Coming up after the break, uh, something in this town that you could probably play a lot, real or fake. We're going to talk about a couple of hitters, one having a good year, one not having a good year. We'll talk about whether or not we expect that performance to continue here on The Run Line on VSIN, the sports betting network. Found Visa's Premier Baseball Betting Show. This is at Bed365. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play—from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field, whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow the seven right now. The run line. Starting on Monday, Visa will be having its first ever baseball betting pentathlon. Every show, not this one, but every other show besides Lombardi Line and My Guys in the Desert, will be making five baseball bets over a span of four days to determine which show at Visa is the best at betting baseball. On Monday, we'll have to bet a total. Tuesday, an underdog and a favorite. Wednesday, pick a team on the run line. And Thursday, a prop. The winner will be announced on Friday, July 15th at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Follow the Money. As I said, the run line, not part of it. However, I am. So doing that, I guess, is a ringer. Maybe is kind of my role here, I guess. We can three-head monster this thing? I I will be texting you to... (laughs) I will be consulting the, with you. The on, one that on I like is uh, picking a dog. I like that one. Yeah, I like that oh, too. Definitely a, a very fun thing. Should be a good tournament here. We'll see what it, how things play out uh, for all of the VEASAN shows. And speaking of things playing out, and, J.D. Martinez. Wait, and speaking of dogs, what was the line a couple minutes ago? When he was like plus 800, plus 1,200 or something? I, yeah, I think the Red Sox were as high as like plus 700, plus 800 <laughs> here in this one. And it's now a 6-6 game. Live number minus 115 uh, both ways at DraftKings. Live total, 15 and a half right, here as what, we're in the fifth inning. What am I missing here? Game. What's going on? I need you to explain some stuff Is that to that a Chapman? Apparently, I don't fifth? watch enough Yankee baseball. They blew the game last night. Uh, Peralta seems like he's been closing a little bit. He blew the game last night. Tyone's been struggling. We talked about that coming in. He's been struggling. And, and you know, I sometimes you, you're able to lock back in or you get a little bit more comfortable when you get a 6-2 uh, lead, but it, obviously not for him. And they kept letting Boston come back. Either way, it's 6-6. And Aroldis Chapman's getting loose in the bullpen in the fifth inning. What am I missing? 
Well, he's coming back from injury, and he wasn't all that effective before the injury. He's pitched a couple times in low leverage, throwing 21 pitches over uh, Wednesday and Tuesday. Uh, he actually appeared, but... It takes... It takes okay, so... It, cut you off, sorry. It, if I'm getting loose, because I'm a starting pitcher, and that's what I do, it takes me six minutes, eight minutes to play catch. It takes me about eight minutes to a bullpen. My bullpen's 55 pitches, mm. which is a lot for some people. Uh, and then I go in, and, and we start the game. As a reliever, they don't have that luxury. They 12, 13, 15 pitches, sometimes maybe more if they have more time, but they got to go, right? Mm. He's used to going. Uh, I know they want to give him a fresh inning more than anything, but like you're asking him, he doesn't even stretch to the fifth inning. He might not even come out of clubhouse to the fifth inning. Right. And now all of a sudden you have him up. And the, to me, this is worse than, than if I'm putting him back in that closer's role. If he's back in a major league uniform in a dugout, he should, he, he should be fine to pitch. And, and again, like at this point, you have to have somebody else get loose just in case Jameson can't get out of this inning. That guy comes in to finish this inning, and then you give a roll to a fresh inning to take his time to get loose. I, I don't know if I agree with what's going on here. Well, it looks like they're calling to check and see if Haroldis Chapman's ready to go, which is very interesting to say the least here, especially as you mentioned, for a guy who's accustomed to coming in in the ninth inning. Uh, looks like he may have to come in in the fifth or at, the, at a minimum here, the sixth wow. inning on Sunday Night Baseball. And again, uh, interesting implications here for Boston because now this is a 6-6 game. They probably brought in you know a low-leverage reliever after they took Pavetta out of the game. They got to fly to Tampa after this one and go play the Rays tomorrow. So... Uh, could be an interesting spot there for Boston. We'll talk more about that game in the final he, segment he, here of today's show. I don't even – it's Ort. He's got – it's Caleb Ort who they brought in. Uh, this is his first game, one and two-thirds. Uh, sorry, this might be – yeah, career second game. This is his first game. Before you move on, let me pull something real quick. See, this is always an interesting thing for me because, I mean, I generally disagree with managerial decisions. But now, I mean, your offense just got you back in the game. I'm not bringing that kid back out. Well, how about, I'm going to a more trusted okay, arm. So then let's go. Yeah, it, that, this is what this is what this is the stuff for me in baseball. All right, Caleb Ort, Triple A last two years, really good. Two nine eight three one two. You know what else is really good? Nineteen for twenty one in saves, and this year fifteen for seventeen in saves. He's a closer, and you're going to pitch him more than one inning already in the fifth inning or the fourth inning of a Major League Baseball game when he's used to pitching the back end of a game, you better pull him because if you try to stretch this guy who's not a starter, you're putting him in a situation he's never been. Caleb Wart right now is running off pure adrenaline and excitement from the fans and being in the big leagues. This like Again, so you and I are trying to handicap stuff, looking at bullpens and when they got taxed because we're looking ahead to tomorrow as well. It, it, all this stuff becomes very important because – like, again, I'm putting him in a position he's, he has not been in in years. Mm. He's a closer just like Chapman. I have two closers coming in the fourth and fifth inning, sixth inning-ish of a, of a Major League Baseball game. It makes no sense. Um, it just tells you that, 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 that the Red Sox are hurting for pitching. Yeah, certainly looks like it, and we'll see what happens here in this one. And also, it does look like a role as Chapman. We'll get that clean inning potentially uh, for the sixth here, but – I want to do the real or fake segment. Talk about a couple of hitters this time. We generally talk about pitchers during this real or fake segment, but today I want to talk about a couple of hitters here. One of them for the, we can't even call them red hot, white hot. I don't know, whatever we want to call <laughs> the Atlanta Braves here because they've been just absolutely on fire for the last basically four or five weeks. And a big part of it has been Dansby Swanson, their shortstop, batting 299 with a 355 on base, 488 slugging percentage going into today's game. 377 or 366, excuse me, weighted on base average, 134 WRC plus. Josh, this is a guy that in a full season, 
getting at least 500 plate appearances has never been an above average hitter by WRC plus never had a mm-hmm. mark over a hundred only in the 60 game season back in 2020, the COVID shortened year. Did he have a 115 WRC plus meaning he was 15% better than league average. This guy on the year going into Friday's game, batting 344 on fastballs, four seam, two seam cutter and sinker. And with a 623 slugging percentage, why is anyone throwing this kid a fastball? <laughs> um, well, they got some pretty good hitters in that lineup. It's true. They right. do. I guess you got to pitch to somebody. You right? got to pitch to somebody. Uh, he is having a good year. I, uh, what are the chances this is his contract here? That's a good question. Probably, probably pretty good. Free agent. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Actually, I think you're right. I mean, he's in 302. He's got 14. I mean, think about the year before he had 27 home runs. And, and anytime you try to start trying to hit more home runs, your average is always going to go down because you start to be pull happy and not use the whole field. Um, he did the same thing in, in, in 19, uh, shortened year. I know in 19, he was also hurt. He had some minor league time where he was rehabbing and stuff. And and then, you know, obviously 20 and then you, you, the, the half season and then you get back in the swing of things. And, and last year, they just uh, everybody seemed to start slow for that team and, and, and pick back up as, as the season went on. So I'd be curious to see the second half stats from last year. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on contract here. He is. You're absolutely go. right. Make it $10 million this year, hits free agency at the end of the season. 46.4% hard hit percentage, though, carrying a 384 batting average on balls in play. So probably not something that I would expect to continue in the second half, but if teams are going to keep throwing him fastballs, then I guess that may. I mean, you got Austin Riley heating up, and you got Acuna leading off, and you got Greg Olson, and I mean, the, the whole team. Travis is a good hitter as well, as well as being a good catcher. Like, the whole team can hit. They, they rake last year. That Freddie, I mean, he, he, again, Maddox always said it. They're you got to get your 27 out somewhere, and none of them are with Barry Bonds. So he's not where I'm going to try to get that out. I'm pitching around him. And, and at some point, i got to go at somebody. I can only pitch around so many people for too long. And, and there's something about contract year, man. I mean, you go back to the history of baseball and look at it. There's something about contract year that we stay in a little bit more. We get a little bit more sleep. We eat a little bit better. We go to the field a little earlier. We, you know what I mean? It just We all want to be paid, man. Seems like it's working out pretty well for Aaron Judge, also in a contract year. Yeah, I, I, I still think he made more money last year if he took that contract. I mean, he's going to be 31, right? It's tough for him, but you're right. I mean, and, and, but again, to your point, it's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Is he turned out a massive deal because he wanted whatever he wanted more. I don't know what he wanted more, whether it's long-term or, or average salary per year. But, um, yeah, now he has to back it up, and there's something about that. Like, there's, there are challenge accepted. All right, here we go. And he's doing it. All right, so a guy that just signed – a big contract with the Philadelphia Phillies is Nick Castellanos gets the five-year $100 million deal coming into this season. Castellanos last year for Cincinnati batted 309 with a 362 on base, 576 slugging, 40% above league average by WRC+. This year for Castellanos in 84 <laughs> games, two four. Well, let's see. Let's give. Let's go ahead and give him credit for his two hits today. Yeah, 251 average, 298 on base, 378 slugging, an 88 WRC plus, meaning 12% below league average in the first year of his contract. Hard hit percentages dropped by 12%. Line drive percentages down 5.5%. Is this just a case of a guy trying to live up to his contract? It's two things. I mean, again, the only time Nick has ever hit over 300 was last year, but he's always been a good hitter. You know what I'm saying? He was in Detroit. He was in Cincinnati. I've always liked this guy as a hitter and as a player. Uh, but again, what was last year? It was his contract year, right? 
And then what's this year? Now I got paid, so it's easier to relax. The other thing is, and this is completely off topic and irrelevant to anything, he bought Ben Simmons' house, and that's got to be bad luck because Ben Simmons doesn't want to play anyways and he's lazy, <laughs> right? So the, the juju and the mojo of buying that house was probably really bad for Nick Cassianos. Well, I mean, look, and, and the thing of it is, too, you know, obviously we know we've seen this play out throughout the course of the year that the park factor in Cincinnati is very good for offense, but yeah. it's not bad in Philadelphia no. either. And he's just Jumps. a guy that's that's not performing here at all. Yeah, with more protection, actually, there this year as well. But, again, it's like it, it, there there is that relaxed. I remember Pablo Sandoval, and I'm not comparing any, anybody and Nick to Pablo Sandoval, but he got that 95-whatever-million-dollar contract from the Red Sox, and yeah. we still have never seen him. Well, we got two segments left to go here on the run line, and we already talked about some buy and sell leading up to the All-Star break. Let's do some buy and sell for the second half here as we take a look at some yes-no playoff odds for some of the interesting contenders out there, including the hottest team in baseball, the Baltimore Orioles. So come on back here on the run line, VEASAN's premier baseball betting show. You found Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details and always drink responsibly. Back here on the run line, Adam Burke, your host tonight, alongside former Major League Baseball pitcher Josh Towers. And Josh, uh, you know, we were talking about how interesting it was here with a couple of closers in, in the middle innings here in this <laughs> Yankees and Red Sox game. Uh, Caleb Ort called up from the minor leagues, makes his debut, throws an inning in two-thirds, kind of bridged the gap here. The Red Sox did end up going with Sawamura, coming out for the sixth. Uh, they are a minus-125 live favorite now. Total, live total, 15.5, juice to the under. Uh, but this should be pretty interesting because I believe we've got to roll this Chapman in here to pitch the sixth. Yeah, I'm curious, man. Again, you know, Roldis is different because this stuff is so exceptional, but you take these guys out of their role. Like, again, bring a Roldis Chapman in a one-run game and he's winning, and it's it's the real guy we know. You bring him in in a one-run game, they're losing just to get work, and there's something about that. There's, like, an energy, like, depletion. And so you're putting him in a situation that he has no idea what this means. Um, it could go one of two ways. I mean, give up four in a second and, and have no control, or... He just happened to be back, right? I, I don't. I don't like it personally. I, I just don't get it. I don't. He's not saving anything right now for you. The the back end of your pen without him has started to struggle. They were really good prior, but they've started to struggle. Um, and for me, he's a vet. Like if he can pitch the sixth, then he can close the ninth for me. Like, I I don't know. I don't know what. I, I'm curious to hear you know post game why this is what they're doing. Well, I certainly wouldn't move Clay Holmes from the role that he's been in. Yeah. He's been outstanding. So I would definitely leave him. But also, too, and this is a discussion for another day that I'm sure you and I can can have maybe over a couple of Blue Moons or Heinekens one day, but um, not a big fan of the defined bullpen role. So As far as? Maybe you and I will have to talk about that one day. Because if we do it now, it'll just end yeah, up hijacking the segment. <laughs> but uh, I, I do want to do a little bit of buy and sell here for the second half, taking a look at some teams that – you know, some that are playing really well, some that aren't necessarily playing so well, using their yes-no playoff odds as part of the equation here. And let's go ahead and start 
with the Seattle Mariners. 6-5 win today over a Toronto team that's just completely dragging right now. They have not had many off days of late. They're a team that's really, really struggling. Their pitchers are having a hard time. Their offense has gone back in the tank again. They're not hitting with men in scoring position. That's been an ongoing problem for them. But the focus on the Mariners here, because it looks as though at this point, Josh, they are the second best team in that American League West. They're now 44 and 42, two games over five, or 45 and 42, actually, three games yeah. over 500. Same record now, interestingly enough, as the Toronto Blue Jays. Are you buying this Seattle team or selling them? Well, I, again, I, I, I think they were always the second best team. I mean, whoever came into the season thinking the Angels were going to be good, it, it's just wishful thinking, and you, you're probably just a fan. You want them to be good. We knew Oakland was going to be awful, and Texas hasn't shown us anything that makes them contenders yet. I'm actually surprised Texas is only five below five. Um, Seattle has been good for the last couple of years. They wouldn't add a lot of pieces, good pieces, but they kept a lot of the, the pitching the same, and I feel like the bullpen's pretty consistent. Um, it does take guys time to gel, and all the guys they went and got from like Cincinnati, Suarez, and Winkler, and them. It takes time to gel a little bit, and and I, I think they're better than than Seager was, but they they also got rid of Seager, who was a big clubhouse presence, and so I, I think this team is is finally like comfortable, but not too many different pieces, and the pieces that are new, they're getting again comfortable. So I, I think this team was always the second best team, and always. I mean, we looked at the Central. We, we, we all said the White Sox, and then we question-marked everybody else, and, and we weren't 100%. And so we got to get some playoff teams that we really think four were going to come out of the East, possibly, for sure. But So Seattle was always close. So I think Seattle, for me, is, is, is a buy and was a buy. Robbie Ray, good start yesterday. Logan yeah. Gilbert, as I mentioned, kind of struggled a little bit. But the, the Mariners have really unlocked Robbie Ray, and then that's a huge part of it for them. As I talked about earlier in the regression report, I do have some concerns long-term about Marco Gonzalez. Yeah. about Chris Flexen, about Logan Gilbert, who you know, kind of saw some of that regression here today. But look, I mean, they're at Washington Tuesday, Wednesday, then they're at Texas for a four-game set for the weekend. They could keep this rig rolling and you know really put themselves in a good spot here. So do you think they can make the playoffs over one of those AL East teams? Um, I do think it's possible. I, I mean, again, I, do, I think they have a, a the team to do it. And, and again, they're... They may not get as much pub, but on paper, they're they're pretty similar to a lot of these teams. I mean, they 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 have better overall like names, let's say, than Tampa Bay. They're they're playing better baseball than Toronto. Toronto has these big names, but they're also are the names all earned as far as like what they've done on the field. And then you got Julio Rodriguez who stepped up and had an amazing year, uh, which you need young guys to do every now and again in Seattle. But then you got Gavin Biggio who's hitting like a buck ninety and not participating in. And Teoscar uh, Hernandez, who had a career year last year, can we really expect him to drive in that many runs every year? And so, like again, I need people to to I can't just put all the reliability on on certain guys. And Toronto's pitching is one hundred percent not getting it done. I still, I mean, they're one and nine in the last ten. Who would have thought that? Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, they've had virtually no days off, so just kind of hitting the wall a little bit. We'll see if you know they have an off day tomorrow, and then we'll see if they can kind of regroup during the All Star break, but. The Chicago White Sox, you know, looking at some of their recent odds to make the playoffs were minus 115 or so. They were actually a favorite still to make the playoffs, which to your point about the Twins earlier, not a whole lot of belief in Minnesota still, even though they have that comfortable division lead. Yeah. Do the White Sox figure this thing out? Are they a buy team in the second half for you? Yeah. I, I, again, they're two and a half out of the wild card. There's a lot more teams, but we added more spots. Uh, they're not that far back on Minnesota. And, and the White Sox, we really can't say anything positive on. I mean, they're five games back 
that's two series. I mean, that's an eight-game win streak, like what we see Baltimore and, and Seattle doing, and a and a little slump for which Cleveland's two and eight in their last ten. Minnesota's five and five in the last ten. White Sox only picked up one game mm-hmm. in that stretch, right? But it's that it, like it can happen that fast um, in a baseball season because we played one sixty-two and we're about halfway. We're pretty close to halfway right now. So I I, I do believe the White Sox are it. Lance Lynn's back. He's starting to pitch. Um, Dylan Cease is having a better consistent year than we expected. Now we have other guys that need to show up, and you have offensive players that need to show up. They need to get a lineup on the field that's, that's the same lineup day in and day out. And then I, I don't see Tony Larissa going anywhere at this point. So the fans need to get off his back and stop creating a bad vibe. I think a lot of the reason White Sox are losing is Tim Anderson is a, is, is a good player, but a, a distraction right now away from the field. And I think the fans are their biggest enemy, and they're not an ally. And the fans need to get on support with his team. Well, I've definitely been vocal about wishing Tony LaRusso would go, but I also know it's not going to happen because it's, it's too hard. Know, he's he's very close to Jerry Reinsdorf as well, which is you know a whole other discussion. But they're not playing. They're not. They're not the Angels. Like they're right. they're, they're not playing so bad. They're two games below five hundred. Like you're not going to let go of your manager at this point, right? It's just maybe at the end of the year they, they don't like it, but. Healthy. That was the biggest thing. They came in dinged up, and they have been dinged up the entire time. All right, so uh, let's talk about Baltimore Orioles here. Yeah. And and look, I don't think that they have enough in the tank to sustain this and end up being a playoff team, but you could have gotten them around 40-1 to 1 to make the playoffs uh, here over the last couple of days. They're one game under five hundred now. They've won eight in a row. You and I were talking about how good the pitching staff is, specifically the bullpen during the last break. And now the offense is catching up. They're starting to hit. They're starting to make much better contact quality. They're starting to hit for a little bit more power, particularly on the road. I, I don't. I, mean, I can't buy them to make the playoffs, but I said this in my article a couple of weeks ago. Any game that has a toss-up line where they're in a short favorite role or a short dog role, their bullpen's so good, they're almost worth betting. Again, a complete opposite. So we're, they finally started to put people in... in, in I think I said a tweet last year when they were god awful. I'm like, listen, as soon as they, my, my son told me the other day, he goes, you need to retweet this and show people what you said. And I was like, I'm not digging it up. And he told me it was something very like, as soon as they learn where everybody's supposed to be, they're going to be a pretty good team. And like we, we were talking off air, Aiken's not a starter. Uh, at least he's not right now. They put him in the bullpen. He's more comfortable. He's doing a good job. Dean Kramer needed more time and he was getting rocked. And this injury that started this year put him in position to go to minor leagues and slow everything down as a big leaguer in the minor leagues. And this dude is locked in. And he has really, really good stuff. Um, I call him Sammy Watkins. I know it's Spencer. But he, his story was great. He came up and did well. And then they, I felt like they put him in a position to fail. And now they're trusting him. And he's doing really well for them. They love Lyles. I think one of the biggest additions, and it's not because he's the number one prospect in baseball, is Adley Rushman. And the reason I say this, and I said it again the other day, Every time they throw a successful pitch or get out of an inning or something, he's given that fist pump like, yeah. Like he, met, he, he lets me know that I'm actually doing a good job. And then instead of meeting him in the dugout, he meets me at the line and gives me a hug. Like Ali Rushman's energy to this pitching staff has been fantastic. Ryan Mountcastle, when he gets in the box, uh, he has this look now that he knows he's going to light you up. And he didn't have that look before, but he's always been that talented. Austin Hayes is having a good year, and we can't overlook what he's done. Like, the, it, Mateo defensively and obviously has been one of the best in the game defensive run save. Like, they, they're just doing all the right things right now. Well, they have an no. off day tomorrow, so they won't be able to continue the winning streak. But we do have 10 games on the card 
for Monday as we start off the last week here of the first half. We'll break down as many of those as we can get to in the final segment here of The Run Line, VEASAN's premier baseball betting show on the Sports Betting Network. You found VEASAN's premier baseball betting show. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is The Run Line. VEASAN Summer Special is here. For only $19, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. Sign up today and you'll get VEASAN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. That's mine. And I write it Monday through Saturday over at VEASAN.com. NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, and NASCAR. College football betting guide comes out the last week of the month as well. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now over at VEASAN.com slash summer. Back here on the run line, one segment left to go. We're going to take a look at tomorrow's card, including a few really, really good pitching matchups that are on the board here, but I can tell you are itching to... To mention this Red Sox and Yankees well, game here, Rollis Chapman in the game. Red Sox a minus two fifteen live favorite, total uh, sixteen and a half. Bases loaded, one out in the bottom of the six. I wanted, I wanted to ask you who, whose body language says I don't want to be here more, a Rollis Chapman or Bobby Dalback? Bobby Dalback does he like? He probably sees his name in the lineup and is like, oh my god, please don't play me. I'm god awful. I can't hit anything. Do you see that three two pitch you just swung at? Oh, <laughs> Even in. You got the base of I heard you too. chuckling over there. It, the ball was a fastball that almost hit his knee, and he swung at it as if it was a slider started over the middle. Like, there's no clue or no game plan right now. Like, again, we struggle so much at different times uh, where I can't get an out to save my life or where I feel like you, can, you can't get a hit to save your life as a hitter. And that's where Dahlbeck is right now. Like, that, like, we've been watching Chapman and not looking at the pitching coach when he walked away, just looking in the space like he didn't care. He doesn't want to pitch the sixth inning. But watching Bobby Dahlback in a situation with the bases loaded, no outs, 6-6 game. You got a guy on the mound showing you all this, and he's got – he's just not going his way. And, <laughs> you're, I mean, you basically bail him out. It's unbelievable to me. Well, some interesting pitching matchups, as I said here, for the Monday card. Again, we have 10 games, two of them being a doubleheader between the Tigers and the Royals. So uh, must-see TV there with those. But Phillies and Cardinals, <laughs> I think, is a really interesting one here at Bush Stadium. Aaron Nola on the bump for the Phillies. Miles Michaelis going for the Cardinals. A guy having an outstanding first half. He had that almost no-hitter where he threw 129 pitches. Hasn't really shown any ill effects from it here for the most part. This game, 
kind of a toss-up. Some places have the Phillies a slight favorite. Some places have the Cardinals a slight favorite. Some have minus 105 going both ways here. Total of 7.5 for this one. What do you think, Aaron Nola, Miles Michaelis? Yeah, I, I think the um, – let me go to the standings real quick. I think the Cardinals, like it just seems like they're 3-7 in the last 10. That's probably why. The Cardinals on the on the money line, they seem like they haven't been getting any respect lately. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, like Philly's playing well. Um, I still feel like at home the Cardinals should be a better team, but they're not really favored like it. And then they did come back and win that game today. Look at this. He's going to get out of this. No, he did it again. you got to be kidding me. Bro, are you watching this? I am. Whoever bet this, if it's not going your way, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> you can tweet. Don't, don't tweet DJ LeMahieu for the mistakes that he's made this inning. Tweet the outfielders for not calling him off, by the way. Um, again, if, if, if Judge calls LeMahieu off in the first play of the inning, it's a routine fly ball for Aaron Judge. This doesn't happen to Chapman. And now, look at LeMahieu's. That, that's the one thing in communication. DJ's doing a great job of calling it right away, but you don't call a ball right away. you got to make a circus catch on. And these outfielders, both of them, Hicksy and Judge, pulling up, they they got to recognize this immediately and take control of this play. And this is what we don't see the Yankees doing. This is what we see losing teams doing. Um, again, Philly was winning, kind of gave up three late the last three innings of the game today, and the Cardinals came back and won. It was a much-needed and big win. This is a good pitching matchup. I mean, Michaelis has been – the guy we saw a couple years ago, Aaron Noah, has been the guy that we've pretty much expected. He's also gone seven or eight in his last, what, six starts? Like, he's been that that locked in and that good. So I, I don't really don't know what I expect from this game, except for uh, as, a, as a fan of pitching, I expect a, a, an awesome watch. I do think I like the Phillies' first five in this game because Aaron Noah is a guy, we talked about the third time through the order splits earlier on in the show. Yeah. His command becomes an issue the third time through the order. He will give up some home runs. He's very, very good the first and second time through. I don't have a high projection of the Cardinals against above-average right-handed pitching this season because for them offensively, everything goes through Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, and Nola does have the yeah. upside and the talent to shut them down. So I do like Philly's first five a little bit in that one. I'll see if that ends up being a play in the article. But how about this one? Mets and Braves. Max Scherzer and Max Freed. Uh, what a pitching matchup this is in this one. And a very important series and very important game for both of these teams here with the fact that the Braves have closed this gap so much. And in fact, you look out there in the marketplace and the Braves are favored against Max Scherzer. <laughs> they should be. Um, uh, again, it's Andy Alcantara, but the, the the Mets didn't score today, but that's what the greatest all because he's you know arguably the best in the game right now. Max Freed, 0-1-2. One, he mixed in a four spot, one, zero, one, two. Like, he's been dominant. The same Max Free we saw the second half of last year, I think early year before. He has been absolutely dominant on a team that um, has come all the way back again. But earlier this year, they're only one and a half back of first place. So you got the Braves playing well. The Mets started to slow down, but, they, you know, they are six and four in their last. And this is, again, the luxury that they afforded teams is, is they, they, they played so well that they allowed Max to get healthy. And they're allowing Jacob to get healthy, and they're still in the thick of it. Uh, Max was obviously very good as first start back, but they didn't score for him either then, right? So it's one of those things where we know the offense for Atlanta is better than the offense for the Mets, and we have two pitchers that are equally as dominant so in this situation, the Braves should be, and at home, right, should be slightly favored. Yeah, Scherzer coming on, uh, his first start in about six weeks at the MLB level, only threw 79 pitches. They probably wanted to keep him around 80 or 85 or so, but he uh, had 11 strikeouts over six innings He's good on 79 pitches. So yeah, it turns he's out so he's, good. he's pretty good. Might be in Cooperstown one day. Oh, he better be. I think it's a really tricky <laughs> oh, he will. 
he, he, he'll be a first ballot guy for sure. But Gosh. I think it's such an intriguing handicap, too, because you know the, the Braves have gotten healthy hitting a lot of bad pitching. They, right. they had that big, was it, 14-game winning streak where they played absolutely nobody of consequence. The one thing I've noticed with the, the Braves' offense on a day-by-day basis, and this is true of every offense, but especially theirs, when they face guys with swing and miss stuff, they have a lot of guys that swing and miss. It's kind okay. of the trade-off when you got a lot of guys with power that yeah. make a lot of quality contact. For sure. Scherzer is a guy that definitely can rack up the swing and miss. So even though you're playing down in Atlanta, it'll be hot, it'll probably be humid, balls should carry well. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of balls in play for either offense in this game. Uh, listen, as a hitter, you kind of want these days off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, right. There's certain players you just don't <laughs> want to face. And, and again, Max is one of them. And he's the guy, like, as the game goes on, he gets stronger and stronger. Um, I... We got a couple of good pitching matchups tomorrow. It, I don't even know. I, I, again, I, Atlanta's in such a good spot, and and New York is happy to be to be back following Max Scherzer, but they're just not. Do you feel that pressure when a team's chasing you down like that? Do you think that's something that affects? No, the it's too play? early. Okay, it's way too early. Like again, you go to Fenway, and and every like you see the left field wall, and it has our standings for our division, and so you know the reality of what's going on. But be honest with you, like we don't look at a lot of things very often. We just show up and do our jobs and prepare and try to figure out how we're going to win this baseball game today. And then at some point as the season goes on, we'll take a peek at the like what we really need to accomplish. But like, you know, all these winning teams know like the the the, the most minimalistic goal is we got to win today, right? Or or I'll even simplify more. Let's win this inning. Um, but the reality is, is is all these winning teams just want to win the series. How can we win the series? And if I do that, it's going to take care of itself. So they don't. No one's staring at the uh, the win loss column right now more than the front office. That's it. One more game I want to get to here. We got a couple minutes left on the show. White Sox and Guardians, and I'm not getting to this just because I'm a Guardians fan, but because I think it's a really interesting handicap here. Where Lance Lynn, a slight favorite on the road in the minus 115 range. Uh, this one has got a total for you of nine, with a little bit of over juice on that one. Lance Lynn's made five starts. He's given up 19 runs on 29 hits since coming back, so he has not been particularly sharp. Cal Quantrill coming off of a bad start, gave up six runs on eight hits in four innings against the Tigers, although only three of those runs were earned. But I watched Quantrill's interview after that game, and he was very upset, you know, saying, I didn't give the team a chance to win at all. Neither one of these guys in, in great form here. Do, do we see a high-scoring game in Cleveland? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he went eight innings and only gave up three, like, it doesn't doesn't really get better than that for a starting pitching. I mean Quantrill, um, and so I that was the start before, and then obviously he goes at Detroit, and it's almost like a team that like when my defense isn't there, which it wasn't there, it's like easy to let down. But like that's where as a starting pitcher we have to man up and you know trying to pick up the slack for them. So I, I get what you're saying on that. Like when I look at Lance Lynn too, like it's, you know we're stoked to have him back, but dude, like it's small sample size this year, but in three home games. He's given up five, six, and five. So, again, there's more going on in, in the White Sox, I'm starting to think, than, than we realize, right? Mm-hmm. And we saw the little dust-up with their coach, and he played it off perfectly in the interview, Lance Lynn did, uh, about stakes, and he's a ribeye and, you know, whatever, a flay and Caesar guy. And But th- this tells me there's a little bit more going on at home. So, I mean, in this situation, like, I know Cleveland's not playing well, we're still question marking the White Sox. Like for me, it's a stay away, but I could favor Cleveland. Well, we'll see what happens in this one. I think it's been a great show here, and of course, next week we'll be talking a lot of things about the All Star break. So great work by Brian Ortega and everybody behind the glass here on today's show for Josh Towers. 
I'm your host, Adam Burke. The Look Ahead with host Scott Seidenberg coming up next on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.